Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King, and joining me as always is Matt Uloy. And Matt, welcome to another week on the B-Side Podcast for Liberty Harrisburg. Hey, thanks, Steve. Yeah, always good to be here and uh, be a be a staple on the B Side podcast. <laughs> it's really yeah. I say like <laughs> alongside me as always. This is only my third week on the B Side podcast, so I just I think I think after two times you can say always. Can I say I that? that like you're the one who's been here for years. It's really just me. That's the new voice. So by, by years you mean one year? Yes, I mean, one year. Our, our storied past. The That's story, right. It's the tradition that is the year the B Side podcast. The single year, mm-hmm. but you've been you have been the mainstay of the B Side podcast. So. I've really just, uh, I've just, I've just taken it over apparently. So, <laughs> hey, we have, um, here's the challenges we have today. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we're recording this, just so everybody knows, right? Yeah. Transparency. Yep. We're recording this on Sunday One, afternoon. 1.05 p.m. Sunday. So 1.05. So think, when you're listening to this, think of where you were at 1.05 on Sunday afternoon, right after church. Yeah. Many of you are actually at the, uh, the volunteer uh, luncheon for Liberty Kids. Our wives may or may not be there. Our wives are well, they are there. I'm just going <laughs> to say they are there. They said they were there. We know we, we have the kids all running around your house right now. So I am not going to suggest that they're not. If they're not, like I'm just going to I'm just going to trust that I believe that they're there. Um, I'm just for the record, I'm not the one calling our wives out that they might not be there. Please hear that. All right, so here's the challenge. We we're recording this right after church because of our schedule this week upcoming. This is really we actually just knew we had to record this one right away. We weren't able to record it tomorrow, which you usually record on Mondays. That's right. We usually then have, you know, 12 to 18 hours of people being able to submit questions. So if you do submit a question, if you're sitting back drinking a cup of coffee or tea on a Sunday tonight going like, I'm going to put in this great question and you don't hear it on the B-Side podcast. Yeah. We love receiving the questions just that this week. Uh, we're, we're recording before questions come in, except for one. We actually did have one question come one in. One came in right after the service. So we'll, we'll get we'll that. Yep, we'll get to that one. Here's the second. So that's the first challenge. Second challenge is this. Um, we are recording this in in my bedroom at my house. <laughs> yes, that's the, that was strange. I didn't expect to say that sentence. But uh, we're in a room. We're tucked away in a room in my house right now because everybody is at church. Yep. And it's not that we couldn't be at church, just that uh, combined seven kids between the King and the Loyan family... Yeah, uh, they're all here. They're all so, here. Um, so the, the background noises today are not a coffee right. shop. Yes, they are children running around. They're the children the running around. Home. We, mm-hmm. um, I do have. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Goes the <laughs> saying, um, and so Miles, who's the two year old among the seven children mm-hmm. combined in our families, he's down for a nap already. So hopefully, nice. I've eliminated that distraction. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but but Abby, my wife, I don't know what Shay said. I mean, yeah. right? Abby is in just full belief that this is not going to go. Oh well. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, we got we got a vote of zero confidence okay. on this one. <laughs> she told me after she said you're not allowed to edit or cut it at all. Oh, this is live, so this is live. If we get interrupted, that's it. We've only ever done one take wonders for the B side. That's right. Honestly, so, maybe it's a little known fact. We don't edit this. Okay, we, a, no, yeah, we don't. We've edit never it. edited true. it, other than the beginning and the end. Like we chop off the. Right. Uh, the that's right. But, but we don't edit it otherwise. It's, but it's a one take wonder. But normally that's like just the integrity of the episode. Not that's not it. that we're not usually filming, you know, with a circus around us. True. So. We'll see what happens. So this could be uh, this could be instructive for your Bible studies this this week. It also could be instructive for your parenting if <laughs> somehow Matt or myself end up having to demonstrate to you how we parent 
when our children are in crisis. We'll see what happens. I, I'm going to see if I can <laughs> yell at someone and call them a whitewashed wall like Paul does in okay. this text. I'm going to see if I can come up with a great like, biblical insult. Matt parents his children by calling them whitewashed walls. Okay. All right. I only use biblical insults. Is that what it it's is? A, it's, a, okay. it's a core principle of parenting in, yeah. my, in my family. I'm excited for your book. <laughs> I'm excited for the book that's going to come out. It's good. Well, hey, um, let's jump into... The sermon this week, Matt, um, oftentimes, well, the, the the person who preaches each week is the one who is on the podcast receiving most of the questions, giving most of the reflections. Most of the time in our church, that's you, right? We know that. Um, thank you for your, your faithful preaching, your preaching today. Uh, we were in Acts 21 and through into 22. Even, even into early 23. Yeah, into 23. I was going to say, into 23. So, Matt, just start us off with, is there anything that you'd want to say just to start our conversation today, things that you don't, you're not always able to include everything in the sermon, just anything that's top of mind for you to start the conversation on the podcast. Yeah. So, um, I'm really intrigued by the, the, I always have thought about the book of Acts as gospel offense. Here's the gospel advancing throughout, you know, the, the Acts 1-8 progression, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's of course, very central to the book of Acts, the expansion of the gospel. Eventually it does reach Rome. Uh, at the end of the book, and kind of even leaves a cliffhanger as to what's going to happen there. We'll get there in a few weeks. But to see Luke also emphasize gospel defense and Paul defending. Now, we saw that a little bit in the early chapters with Peter and John, especially, mm. uh, before Paul's even <clears throat> on the scene, really, as a character in the book, uh, in the story of the early church. Uh, Peter and John defend their faith in front of the high council, even at one point, right. as well as others. So there's defense on the kind of the bookends of the book of Acts. The... Um, I think also, you know, seeing the defense of these five final trials that Paul goes through, yeah. I'm really encouraged, I guess, just to, 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 to bring up the, my appreciation for the importance of gospel defense. Um, and it's not just about, hey, how many places can we go? How many people can we share the gospel with? Let's just get the numbers up there of exposure. Paul really cares about getting the gospel as far and wide as possible, but in these in these moments in these at the end of the book of Acts, he's he's defending it. People that have already actually heard it yeah. have rejected it in many cases. They're not putting him on trial, and he is very content and even sees the, the opportunity of getting to defend that in front of them as part of the mission. That's right. That he's on, um, and also maybe I should add this. I didn't get a chance to unpack this in the sermon today. There's not always a clear cut line between offense and defense. So if you really press in a little bit, sometimes defense is offense. Philippian jail is uh, one key example, Acts 16. He's in prison. Technically, that probably gets classified as gospel defense. He's imprisoned. Uh, the Philippian jailer hears him share the gospel, actually comes to him and, while he's kind of on defense, so to speak, and says, what must I do to be saved? And then it's all of a sudden, it's like, well, believe in Jesus and be baptized, you and your household. So it's the defense does, and the offense is, is really interconnected. Yeah, It's helpful sometimes to think about it you know, to break it apart a little bit and go, okay, defending the faith versus the advance of the gospel. But in, at the end of the day, in the providence of God, these two things work together. Sure. Yeah. I know at some point, I know a metaphor will, will fall apart, but thinking about the contrast between offense and defense, maybe it's not like a basketball team that mm-hmm. is like, you're, you're truly on offense on one side of the court and you're on defense on the yeah. other. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit more like soccer where it's like mm. you're in that midfield and you're your offense defense all the time. Back and forth. You might have the ball, you might not have the ball, but like you're always thinking about both. It's just strategy the whole time. Yeah. And you might be able to say like, "Oh, they have the ball, they don't have the ball," but like it's just it's just it's all combined at one point. 
Coach Steve. Okay. Well, the metaphor. The, I mean, that metaphor. Steve, that's a good metaphor. That right metaphor there. will fall apart at some point. Gospel because, midfield. Yeah. God, the gospel midfield. That's your new book coming out. That's my book. So I, I can't wait for your book on parenting <laughs> with gospel insults. You whitewashed wall. <laughs> that's right. A, a parenting book by. I yeah. will write the forward for your book if you write the forward for my gospel midfield book. Year four is just going to be like, I don't know what he's oh, doing. Oh, boy. Here. Liberty oh, Church. Oh, you boy. heard it here first. Coming in 2020 something, 27. We'll see. Um, yeah, that's good. I also, I think it's helpful to, um, Matt, can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Or yeah. Help, me, help me pull out of even what I'm thinking here is just sure. saying that um, we should not be surprised when we find ourselves on defense. For sure. Maybe in, in, maybe in my mind, I can quickly get comfortable with. I'm either evangelizing and I'm on offense, yep. or because Scripture instructs me, and I trust this to be true, I'm, I'm on defense. Yeah. There's the first knock at the door. Yep. Um, I'm not knocking at your door. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Knocking a different door. All right. Thank you. Okay. Sounds like my door, though, buddy. <laughs> that, are you knocking on the door? Yeah. Okay. You need to go play outside, okay? Then, you know what? You could ask her to share, or right now, buddy, you, you can choose something else to play with. For those keeping track at home, my <laughs> daughter, Kara, is stealing items from a four-year-old boy named Bennett. <laughs> That's where we are in the yeah. King household right oh, now. We, right, we promised you it was coming. There right now, wherever Abby is going to be listening <laughs> to this podcast this week, she has just thrown her feet up. She's got her popcorn in hand, and she is ready for more. So like we'll that, see. Like that Michael Jackson meme <laughs> yes, where you just lead it exactly in. Exactly right. <laughs> so, all right. So, so I'm, I expect to be evangelizing. I expect to yep. be persecuted. Yeah. Right? Okay. So maybe the there's something though about defense that's not persecution, yep. but maybe it is. Help me. I mean, I'm just, as you're saying, I'm going like, Oh, I wonder how I can, how I can frame that in my mind where we as Christians need to not play the persecution card sure. in our minds so quickly to categorize why we should stop actually defending. Cause like, well, we're just being persecuted here at this point right. and actually embrace the opportunity that we have to play defense. Absolutely. There's something about that. What would you say about that? Yeah. I think that's a really good, important point. I think, um, that often in the same conversation, you could be switching back. That's that midfield analogy. Like you could be back and forth between offense and defense. So the offense being, Hey, here's news you've never heard before. Let me tell you about it. Defense being more, Hey, I have heard about it. Here's my objections to it. Here's where I get hung up in it. So I think if you think about offense and defense that way, um, actually even the word that Paul uses there at the very beginning of chapter 22, where Paul, it says Paul gives a defense. Yep to the crowd, that word is apologia. That's where we get the word apologetics. Yep. So it's it's not um, it's not persecution as much as it is making a defense and That's apology right. in the classic definition of the word apology, not, not saying sorry for it, but saying, here's my defense for uh, what I believe and it's credible and it's reliable. Yeah. So I think that's the difference where persecution is where like, you know, as Paul does experience certainly persecution as well, being imprisoned, uh, you know, tucked away in prison for like two years. That we'll get to that in a couple chapters. Under house arrest, he's eventually martyred in Rome. Years later, after this, so Paul certainly does experience persecution. I think Paul is very slow. You know, we, I've said it before as we looked at uh, Stephen in Acts chapter eight. Um, you know, we have this phrase in um, in English, the, a martyr complex. Yeah. You know, that's kind of our vernacular. Someone has a martyr complex. Um, they, they kind of see themselves as the victim and kind of woe is me, that mentality. Um, the people who don't have a martyr's complex, actual <clears throat> martyrs. So Stephen doesn't have that sense of like, he actually sees the opportunity to, to, to make his defense in front of the council yeah. when he's doing that as 
part of it's part of the offense. The defense is the offense in that case too. Yeah. Paul also is um you know, he's so desirous to get to Rome. He ends up getting to Rome in a way that probably he didn't envision. He makes an appeal to Caesar when he's on one of these trials and that's yep. what ends up leading him to Rome at the end of the book. But he does get there and he sees it as a real opportunity um for the sake of the gospel to be on even to be on the defensive when people are pressing him and saying, I don't believe you. Yeah. He says, okay, well, I welcome that. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly I, I imagine there's times we can be on the defense, giving an apologetic and be in relatively comfortable, yeah. you know, environment. Yep. People are welcoming the yeah. defense. Yeah. Would you say that most of the time we as Christians will find ourselves giving defense in, a, in an environment that's uncomfortable? We're either, we are, we are, we are, either about to be persecuted. Yeah. Right. Like you see with Paul so often he's giving up, he's giving an apologetic yeah. as he is or will about to be persecuted. Even yeah. getting like punched in the face in between the messages yeah. themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, or, or um, just among people that don't welcome it like right. that. So there's something. Yeah. I think we do. I mean, <clears throat> I think we are often uncomfortable in those situations. Um I think maybe if anything, letting the book of Acts normalize the experience of being on the defensive would maybe make us more, more comfortable with it. Um, because it actually is in many cases, um, man, like, uh, people who sincerely seek will probably have real objections at times. And it doesn't mean that they're automatically trying to, um, you know, there's, there's certainly a spectrum here of like how receptive the audience is in their, yeah. in, in what they're asking you to defend. Some are really wanting to know the reality and some are just wanting to make you look like you're an idiot, you know, like that, right. that you don't know what you're talking about and that you're wrong. So there's a spectrum within that. Uh, it probably will feel uncomfortable to be anywhere on that spectrum of defending our faith, especially if we don't do that very often. Uh, but I do think that particularly, you know, in an increasingly post-Christian culture, it's good for us to feel normal defending our faith and to yes. welcome it, knowing certainly some people are going to do that antagonistically. They're not really interested in actually hearing the truth. They're just trying to poke holes and stuff. Right. But still welcoming it to say, um, hey, if I got an opportunity to talk about Jesus in this conversation, then let me do that faithfully. And let me let me learn to be, to just embrace that and to ask God to work through it, even if it doesn't seem like there's any fruit happening in this, yeah. this moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's um I think maybe maybe in a little bit we can talk more about then the value you mentioned this in the sermon and maybe a a a, a, a weakness I feel in like the quick turnaround here is like lack of time to reflect things. Sure. Right. Sure. So, so like I don't remember exactly how you said it, but um It was really know, profound though. It was really oh goodness. <laughs> it was so profound I probably will never be able to repeat it. Um <laughs> uh yeah. Um no, but it was at the end, like focus on Let's 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 mimic Paul's hope instead yeah, yeah. of his. Yep. What was it? Yeah, it was um, rather than rather than mimic his 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 defense. Share share his share hope. his hope. There you go. Yep. So maybe maybe a little bit more. Let's circle back to that. Yeah. Yep. How the person who who's a real martyr um, isn't so concerned about um, what people think about them. Right. They're they're in such belief for what it is they're about yep. to give their life for. Yeah. Um, and so it's the hope that, yeah. that fuels them and inspires them that they'd walk away. Like even maybe even getting into the uncomfortable situation is being uncomfortable 
pales in comparison to just expressing with yeah. genuine integrity and enthusiasm the hope that they have. Yeah. Right. Let's that's come back right. to that maybe a little yeah, bit. But that's good. Here's a question. Um, I'll read the question as it came in. So it's the one question that we came in so far. Yeah, if anyone comes great. in as we're all maybe I'll follow live. the email. I'm but monitoring the email live. <clears throat> that's we'll it, see. right? So but here's the question. I'll read it as it was written. Um then we can parse through the question a little bit and then and then get your perspective on it. So here's the question. If Paul was focusing on the central idea of the faith rather than dividing his opponents, why would he have begun by declaring his identity as, quote unquote, a Pharisee of Pharisees? Hmm. So in other words, hmm. to what extent are clever stratagems open to us versus always dealing in the most sincere manner? So maybe maybe there's a, a first yeah. and just give your give your perspective on this. There's the there's the assumption by the questioner here yep. um, that Paul isn't actually being completely sincere at the question. He is kind of yeah. like he is kind of like um, coming at them to divide them a little bit. Yeah, there's some, there's something that's tongue in cheek about yeah. his own description of himself as a Pharisee among Pharisees. Yeah, I think that's in I think it's in twenty three. The beginning of twenty three. Right? Yep. Beginning of twenty three. So just how would you interpret the question that's being asked? And yeah. then like let's get into it. Yeah, that's good. And um, I think my main concern was when I was reading some of the the authors and scholars that have over the years just said, wow, how how clever Paul is. This is kind of a distraction technique. He's like, he's in the hot seat. He knows it's not going to go well for him. So he he kind of finds like a, you know, a topic that he knows is going to incite a fight between these yeah. two groups and he just kind of throws it out there. Yeah. I think where it's it just felt really disingenuous because um, he is, he is, uh, bringing up something that is in- incredibly central to um, the Christian faith, and even the reason why we see in Scripture so often it's it's almost always Pharisees that become Christians from the different backgrounds of Jewish groups. It's almost always people yep. who are Pharisees first that you know they're Jewish people, they're Pharisees first, then they become Christians. You don't see a whole lot of Sadducees. I was actually I'm trying to think if I can. I don't know that I can think of one example, but there might be one of a Sadducee who comes to. Um, to faith in Jesus in the, in the New Testament. But, um, so that's a great question. Why does he start at saying, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees? I, I think the best I could see it is, I, I mean, it could be a both and here a little bit. So I want to acknowledge that. It could be that Paul is both getting to a central tenet of the faith, the resurrection from the dead, and um, like knowing that's going to create and stir dissension. He's like, well, if I'm going to get interrupted every five seconds anyway, like at least let these guys go at each other a little bit and tire themselves the, out a little bit tire first. themselves <laughs> out and even kind of like building blocks <clears throat> to the faith like if in, in paul's mind i would imagine um it'd be a win for a sadducee to kind of become a pharisee as a progression toward putting their faith in christ he's not going to be content to leave him as a pharisee sure um so i think that for paul he he wants to see people make progress in in belief and the Sadducees had just has so closed themselves off to anything supernatural. We think of even some parallels in our in our modern day about that. That for him to say, "Hey, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees." Number one, I think he says that phrase as kind of a continuation of what he said before he got hit in the face, which was um, that he's lived his whole life in good conscience before God. Essentially right. saying, "Hey, I'm I'm I've always been zealous for the name of the one true God, and I still am." Yep. I'm a fair. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, so I think he says it for that that purpose in there as well. Uh, but then also I think he would he would challenge the Sadducees most specifically to open themselves up to the supernatural so that they would, you know, hopefully by God's grace then come to see Jesus as the fulfillment of yeah. the promised Messiah. Yeah. So the que- the question then, you know, 
how are, how would you how would you advise any mm. one of us yeah. to then walk the line of being clever um, versus sincere in that like um, yeah I, I it's interesting I, I I even we're doing hey we're doing this live like I there's part of me that wonders if Paul seeing the Pharisees and Sadducees is just kind of I wonder if he was concerned that one group would would um, just unconsciously align themselves with him more than that than he was actually intending. Yeah, kinda like the, the like he's in front of the council. The Pharisees are furious with him. Yeah, right. Um, the Sadducee he, he's now seeing others. Both these groups here, and I don't want either one of them to think that I'm actually I'm go I want to actually go after both of them a little bit. Sure. Right. And so he kind of puts it he puts out there his his belief. Um, in the resurrection, just as like a way to stir the Sadducees, and I think also fire back up the Pharisees and remind them, like I'm also not for you. Like right. he's not actually for one group completely, yeah. one yep. or the other. He doesn't fit into either category. He doesn't anymore. fit into a category. Yeah, that's right. So almost as if they maybe in that tire themselves out, they yeah. kind of just look over him. Maybe he's the one with the popcorn. Then sure. showing like, okay, are you ready to actually hear what I'm going to say? Yeah. See, you, you're both, you're not really getting along. Yeah. Um. Ah, there's a whole lot there that we could kind of maybe I could I could unpack. I need to think through myself. But um, what's the line we then yeah. walk of being clever versus sincere? Yep. Kind of like throwing not not a grenade in there, but just kind of like prop like pushing some buttons and stirring a pot every now and then. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. I'm trying to think of an example on the fly. I, I think, at least as far as a line goes, um, I think it would be improper to be deceitful in that. I think it'd be improper to just try to get That's somebody good. riled up. That's good. So, like, I think of the YouTube videos where, like, the you know, they're titled like "so and so owns so and so" or so you know, like it's like yeah. it's like set up as like a provide. I love those videos. No, <laughs> <laughs> like where it's it's set up to be like. Um, like provocative yes. just to like show someone they're an idiot. Okay. Like it's yep. Yep. like if the, if the stated aim here is to kind of make the other person look stupid in front of a, a yep. you know, a broad audience publicly or whatever, then I think we're, we're getting, we're, we're therefore out of bounds of like, you know, Peter's clear call to, sh- to give a defense for the hope with gentleness and respect. Yeah. So I think you cross that line of gentleness and respect when you're, you know, deceitful, when you're, um, hot, you know, like in a hostile manner being provocative just to kind of evoke yep. something from someone and kind of, uh, you know, pick a fight in that way. I think up to that point, that's the other thing you see in this text, not just in this instance, but, but Paul will just use anything at his disposal yeah. in certain moments, which I, if you want to call that a clever stratagem, I think, great. Like that's, um, I, I, I think you could also frame that as going, what by the providence of God is just right here in front of me that's like, okay, I can grab this right now and yeah. it's, it's going to be helpful in my making a case for Christ. So he does the same thing with his citizenship, his Roman citizenship. He plays that citizen card to the uh, to the military tribune um, a little bit earlier there in Acts 22. Uh, he uses different languages. He's got the knowledge of different languages. He speaks Greek. Uh, which this is interesting that we didn't get to unpack in the sermon. Um, when he makes his crowd defense, in Aramaic, most likely the mm-hmm. Hebrew language, the tribune probably can't understand that. Mm. Um, most scholars think the tribune would not necessarily have been able to understand what Paul was saying, um, that, that, mo- that he was going to be dependent on an interpreter to, to translate what Paul was saying for him yeah. in that moment. So you think, okay, well, Paul's making intentional decisions based on who he's addressing to use the language he thinks is going to most resonate with them uh, and connect with them. Yeah. And that's also clever. That's so clever. I, yeah. So I think anytime you kind of open this up, you start to get into the use of means, uh, any kind of means to share the gospel. And there would be some that say, hey, in the sovereignty of God, 
we don't use means. We just trust God to to do His work. Um, we, you know, where I would say no, like you're trust, saying, try, use means the means by which the we means by which That's we right. would okay, yep. tools, yep. tactics. Yes, there you go. Okay, um, different kinds of paradigms, philosophy, hooking into social, like hooking into kind of cultural arguments, yep. media, whatever, kind of grabbing at whatever you can as a means to help people understand the gospel. Um, it's probably not a surprise, you know, based on the way, you know, we do a lot of things at Liberty, including gather worship and sermon illustrations and stuff. We, we would say that, you know, y- you can trust and rely on the sovereignty of God because you always are and use means yeah. at the same time. For sure. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I would, I would say as much as possible to not have it be an either or like, Hey, I'm just being clever or yeah. I'm being sincere. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think there's moments to be sincere and clever. Like I yeah. think there's moments of saying, um, in my sincerity, because I really believe this to be true. Yep. Here's a clever inroads that I think would at least create yep. the environment that's going to maybe make you think a little bit and yep. contemplate this. So may, so if I could, if I could, um, uh, build two boxes, maybe that someone would check, or at least I'm thinking how I would check two boxes. Build them, build them, Steve. Build two boxes. One would be, um, to not ridicule. I right. yep. just have that not like so. There's a both and approach to sincerity and cleverness. Yep. That doesn't turn into ridicule. That's um, good. And so, um, if if you walk away from a conversation, or if you go into one with not just like I'm going to go on offense, but I'm going to like go into obliterate. Sure. I'm going to go in yeah. just fire, and I'm going to try to embarrass. I'm going to yep. try to actually ridicule. Yep. Yep. That is a box to check. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, well, we have a potential right, right. owie. Uh, I will tell you my second box in just a second. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Yeah, that's definitely one of the lines um, that I, I go back just to what's what's clear as possible in Scripture. And the the, the first Peter 3, do this with gentleness and respect. Um, I think that's that's really clear. A defense for the hope that's in you. Peter, in that whole letter, you know, we've done, we've done a whole series on first Peter years ago. But the idea for your first box about not ridiculing, yeah. Peter's letter is to Christians on the margins. They're in exile. They're all around the Mediterranean world. They often are being persecuted. Yep. It's the pass. It's the it's the um, it's the the letter where he writes. You know, after you have suffered a little while, the God yeah. of all grace will like. Is he's, I mean, that's the letter. Yeah. And he still says in there gentleness and respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to leave open the the, the you know maybe the follow up question of like, well, wait a second. Like, we sh- should we be uncomfortable with someone who's speaking? blasphemy or, or, or in dishonesty. No, we're not comfortable with that. Not at all. And so we should expose dishonesty. We should expose falsehood. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's times at which we need to expose it with, with an aggression that is, that is, is, is zealous. Sure. Right. Is zealous yeah. for it's even, you know, there's some, this is important zeal that, that Paul, when he speaks up talking about the white, whitewashed wall, I mean, I mean, he just got he got punched in the face, and he's like, "God's gonna strike you! Like God's gonna punch you in the face!" Yeah, Be- and and there's something there that may- maybe there's something there that truly is this defensiveness for himself. I think there's also something there for your you are um, you're degrading truth in yeah. striking me. Yeah, like I'm a messenger from God. Yeah, or I'm a messenger of God who has yeah. truth. I'm sharing it with you. You're striking it down, and, and like God's going to strike you down as a result of that. So there's yeah. there's something that's zealous about that. Yep. Paul does um, kind of like have to come back from that a little bit, like literally a verse later. He does when realizing it's the high priest. Um, so there's humility in that. Yep. So yes, I'm countering my own like check that box yep. to not yep. ridicule while also knowing that we are zealous. Yep. Um, and we are aggre- we are aggressively defending and contending for truth. 
Here's right. the second box. How how far do we read through verse chapter twenty three? Uh, verse eleven. Okay, for, anyway, there you go. Because that that my second box goes to verse eleven. Yeah. Which is, can we walk away in good conscience? Yeah. Believing um, that we testify to the facts of Christ. Yeah. And not to our own ego yeah. or our own ambition, because this is I find this one of the more striking, and just like I mean, humbling in a scary way. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, um. It examines. I feel like I feel like I'm I'm being examined, going like, oh my goodness, would I, would I, in contending for the faith, would I be worthy to have Christ stand by me and say, take courage, you've testified to the facts about me, and not yeah. like instead go like, hey, take courage, you did that, okay, you all, you also were contending for yourself there, Steve. You also yeah. recognize yeah. how you were defending yourself for your own pride and your own ego. Um, that, I'd, I'd say that's a second box to like build. Yeah. Like, are we always contending for the facts about Christ yeah. and not defending our own our own uh, position yeah. in other people's eyes? That's that's really well said, Steve. Yeah, whose reputation are we defending? Yeah. Is it ours or God's? Right. Is it ours or Christ's? I think that makes all the difference in the world. Not easy boxes. To ch- I'm not trying to suggest no, that these are easy to check or like that one. But but ru- but running our approach through that criteria, yeah, like are, like where where we cross the line, where do we? That, I think those are great. Um, yeah, that's a great grid through which to kind of yeah. consider our approach. Yeah, and that's um, that maybe we circled back there to that point of um, have the hope that Paul had. Yeah, right. His hope yep. was not for himself. Yeah, in insofar well, it was for himself insofar as because of what Christ done for him. Right, but it wasn't for. For who he was, it was for who Christ was. That's right. Matt, take us, maybe um, offer up. Oh, another question at oh, the door. Oh, question. No, a lot. <laughs> probably not. Um, what's up, buddy? Um, not yet, bud, okay? Okay. All right. Privacy for Mr. Matt and I. All right. So, Matt. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I have a snack? Can you have a snack? <laughs> Matt, in just a moment, I'll give you your snack. I promised you after the B-Side podcast, okay, uh, you would have a snack. I'm so hungry. Fruit snacks, fruit snacks. Um, okay, so Matt, uh, finish us off here. Let's just take us to the finish line. Yeah. What would be a question or two that you think would be uh, would prompt good discussion in our Bible studies this week uh, for the sermon that you preached today? Well, I think even um, as we were talking about a little earlier... Um, I mean, even bringing up how, how uncomfortable do you feel, how comfortable or uncomfortable do you feel in making a defense for the hope that is in you? Um, what are the what are the kind of situations in real life that you find yourself in where you have given a defense for the hope that's in you or where it's conceivable that you might be doing that, you know, in the near future? Um, you know, Paul's got the crowd. Paul's got the, the council. Those are the first two of these final five trials. Uh, often for us, it's not a crowd and it's not some kind of official, you know, body of, of leaders that are kind of like examining us in that kind of way. So, mm-hmm. so this is a unique to Paul situation for most of us. We're not going to have the same experience, but, um, you know, uh, conversations with people that you live near and people that you work near, people that you go to school with, um, what would it actually feasibly in real life look like to give a defense for the hope that's in you and, what can it look like just to, to, to have that be more normal part of life, an expected part of life? Um, I think we have the tendency to put so like, and it comes from such a good heart most of the time as Christians. We're like, I want to do such a good job of, of what, you know, what, what uh, Jesus says to Paul in verse 11 of chapter 23 of testifying yeah. to the facts about Jesus. Yeah. And we get so kind of in our head about like wanting to do that 
to a certain kind of level of excellence that we we forget that there's so much of just the reality of getting into conversations with people where we end up doing it. I think I, like like I know in my life I can go okay. I'm going into a moment where I will make a defense for the gospel. And this, yeah. and like these moments are unplanned for Paul. Like right. he, he's dragged out of a crowd by the Roman tr- tribune up the stairs. And now he's given a speech. Like he didn't like, he didn't like, you know, like, like sermon prep for me where I'm spending a couple hours, you know, hours a week studying and getting ready to, to, to talk on right. it. He's like, all right, here we go. Let's do it. Um, he didn't know. I don't, it, we don't have any indication from the book of Acts that Paul knew he was going to get put in front of the high council the next day. It's like just the the Roman military leaders like, here we go. You're you're on, Paul. Now make a now make a make a case in yeah. front of them. So I think um, to not get so worked up that this is building to like the moment where we're giving the defense, but just in the course of our everyday life that we're going to be, you know, defending. Yeah that this is true, that we believe this, that here's where our hope rests and it's in Christ. I mean, isn't that, is, is that's in part why Paul was able to do this spontaneously. Yeah. Because we didn't, we're not finding Paul in year four of his ministry. Right. Right. We're, we're finding Paul a couple decades now into his ministry, yep. 20 plus years. Yep. And so it's coming out of him because of the work that's been done. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, it's an instruction to the, to the humility of, the, the process, like, yeah. you know, any, anyone who's listening, uh, I mean, I won't take time to like get into it now, but like you, you realize like Tim Keller talks about when you look back on at 35, look back at what you didn't know at 25 and 45, you didn't know at 35, like yeah. we're constantly learning all the time. Yeah. And it's the experiences that we embrace, um, to both succeed and to feel like we're even failing at times, understanding our faith, asking questions, knowing what we believe, knowing why we believe it, yep. getting it, like speaking in maybe quote unquote safe spaces, like church and Bible studies to work out our faith. Yep. Right. So that yep. when the moment comes, if we see it or oftentimes if we don't see it, yeah. we can speak with integrity and boldness, what we believe about Christ. Yeah. That is not the product of coming to faith, checking out for the rep for the next 10 years and then being ready. It's not like you, you can't cram, yeah. you know, for this test. It's, it's yeah. part of, it's part of your lifestyle as a Christian. It's That's part right. of sanctification and discipleship and maturity all throughout. That's right. And I, and I think that's, um, yeah, there's just, so like there's times I'm even thinking of it now, you know, where if we're just talking about what we value, what we love, which is Jesus, and we have that hope of his resurrection before our eyes in regular course of life. Um, like, you, you know, so like, for example, I, I recognize mine's a little unique and that I'm in vocational ministry. So like, there's a segue naturally to conversations about this for me. Sure. Because of, because of it's my work, um, that it's not for everybody. But like, so here's a, here's a short example. Uh, I, you know, I work at, in coffee shops at, at least a few hours every week and I was at one this past week. Um, I get to know some of the regulars there over time cause I end up in there some similar hours, a lot of weeks. And so one guy that I've seen in there a number of times over the years, he said, Hey, I'm going to start calling you father, father, Matt. <laughs> so I laugh, you know, it's like tongue in cheek. I'm like, yeah, no, nobody calls me that. You know, like, like literally nobody calls you father, Matt, by the way. Okay. I have three daughters. They call me dad. That's about as close as I get. Uh, some people call me reverend, but that's pretty rare. A lot of people call me pastor, Matt like that, but no, yep. no one calls me father. And I said, Hey, like, you know, like you're welcome to call me that man. Like I, you know, I don't take offense at that or whatever, but but just to like, just to clarify, like actually the reason that like, you know, I as a pastor don't like welcome that title or like call, go by father Matt, um, is just because I, I, I understand scripture to teach. Like we have one father who's God, we have one mediator, one person that helps us know who that father is, which is Jesus. 
And that's all I said to him. I mean, it was a, it was a yep. 30 second yep. snippet after which he said, all right, thanks father. You Wait, know, he didn't so. punch you in the face. <laughs> didn't punch me. in the ah. face. He still called me father at the end. Okay. So like, you know, it was not maybe particularly persuasive in my point. Sure. Right. But like, so I'm just thinking about that now and going like, okay, well, um, that wasn't this long form apologia, you yeah. know, defense of the faith. Right. Um, but there's a little conversational interaction with a person where it's like, well, actually, since you brought it up, like, um, I don't think you should, like, I, I don't welcome the title father right. broadly because I actually think we should look to God as our father. Right. So like, there's a, there's a little moment, you know, where like the course of our lives may be getting, um, lots of those. And, it, and we even sometimes step back and go like, oh, I'm yeah, sure. I'm like giving a defense. Right. But I didn't like work myself up into this moment of like, all right, here we go. This is the conversation where it all, it all comes down to this. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Well, um, for Bible study leaders or participants this week, um, hopefully this has been instructive for you. Matt, any last words that you want to add, just even as encouragement for anyone in our in our church this week or anyone who would listen? Man, yeah. I think just keep pressing in both to Paul's example. Uh, you do learn a lot from his approach on how he does things. There's so many implications, principles of how to share the gospel to draw out of it. But even as you were saying before, Stephen, I mean, I hope that was clear in the sermon today too. Um more important, the most important thing besides mimicking Paul's defense is, is share his hope. Um, and I, I even say that's an opportunity this week in your own study and prayer life, Bible study conversations. Um, how do you keep the resurrection of Jesus before your eyes mm. in everyday life? We, yeah. we, we, we put that kind of as like a, yep, um, I believe that it's kind of back there in my mind, but like then we're focused on cultural issues, cultural, whatever, how we're going to engage conversationally. Like how do we keep the resurrection before our eyes? Um, the hope of the resurrection, because that that's just what really fuels us going like, no, this is this either happened or it didn't, and this this makes all yeah. the difference in the world. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, hey, thank you for listening and following along uh this week with the B-Side Podcast. Thank you for always sending questions as you do. Uh be sure to send questions on Sunday afternoons, evenings, or really early on Monday mornings. We usually record on Monday midday or like around, just around lunch or right yeah. before lunch. So late morning even. So, so send questions as you have them. Thank you in advance for doing so. Uh, Liberty Church and anyone else who's listening, hope that you have a great uh, rest of your day and week wherever you find yourself right now. We look forward to seeing you more on Sunday, certainly next Sunday for worship and yep. then more on the B-Side Podcast every week moving forward. It's snack time. It's snack time. Here we go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.